0: Our number two kicking off here in the white claw, hard seltzer studios. Hour number two brought to you by our friends about last night, brought to you by our friends at inward half golf, keep telling you, spring is springing. You need some golf apparel. I don't know if you saw the X post, but we are working on the first annual fan run open as we dip our toes into doing big events. I am trying to plan a charity golf outing. You're going to need some gear to wear. Inwardhalf.com. I'm working on getting them to make us some gear. Some Inward Half Fan run sports crossover stuff. That would be great for the golf course. Inward half is elevated and transformed performance-driven apparel into fashion-forward statement pieces for the entire family. Hoodies, quarter zips. It'll be perfect for football season when fall comes, and you can even rock them now in spring. I'd say those quarter zips and hoodies will feel great during the second half of the baseball games. Inwardhalf.com, and of course, Check out the everything polo on the Volunteer Club website, that supports both inward half and Tennessee athletes. All right, Sam, what did we miss about last night?
1: Thanks, John. You're um, some tragic news oh, starting no. off oh, uh, no. in the Kansas City uh, Super Bowl parade. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, one person has been killed. Uh, over twenty people have been wounded there. The Kansas City Children's Mercy is, tweet, uh, is treating 12 patients from the rally. Eleven of them are children. Nine of them had gunshots wound. Just, just a terrible, terrible incident that went down uh, at the Super Bowl parade yesterday in Kansas City.
2: Did you see any of the footage? Um, it was all over social media about the citizens that wrestled one of the shooters yeah, down. yeah. And, I mean, obviously – hell of a brave move by those people um but also then they showed somebody picking up the gun yeah and i mean again here we go this is like it's like a military grade firearm i mean we're not gonna get a soapbox and talk about gun laws and everything else obviously but i mean it's just how how's that happening at a at an event like that that's a celebration basically
0: now it's one of my biggest fears you know obviously i'm not in school anymore I don't have any kids in school. So, like, that one maybe hasn't hit me. And I'm sure there are plenty of parents that think about things like that whenever they drop their kids off or see this in the news. I haven't had to experience that. But, like, as someone that does go to Nealon Stadium, it always crosses my mind of, like, what happens if someone just, you know, had a wild hair and there's a whole bunch of people there. Like, that goes through my mind. And, of course, yesterday in a parade there's even more people there because it wasn't just 100,000 people getting in a stadium. It was 500,000 people trying to celebrate a Super Bowl championship. And, it was, and we still have. Have we seen a motive? Have we seen any type of explanation as to what happened? Wasn't
1: was been a ton of info coming out. Yeah, like
2: it. I don't know. They've ruled out. They've ruled out terrorism. They're just calling it a criminal act at this point. There's, I think, there were three. Yeah, they three arrested potential three shooters. People, yeah.
0: Well, how is it not terrorism, I guess is what my question would be like. I mean, because I find it hard to believe that those people were targeted in terms of, hey, these are the 20 people we want to shoot is what I mean. Like, because, I mean, what, 11 of them were kids, I think is what they said, or Mm -hmm. 10 of them were kids. I mean, uh, somewhere between there, like, I find it hard to believe that out of all those people, they were targeted. So, like, if it's just random shooting in a crowd, that
2: seems pretty terroristic to me. Now, you, if you're saying like you know, like a, there's not an agenda, there's at least that's what they're hearing yeah. in initial conversations. Is there's you know, was, they weren't necessarily sent in by another sure entity or sure. something like that. But it does create the same feelings of terrorist attacks. So of like course, I, yeah. I think
0: uh, going there and create that much feeling of emergency, that that feeling of you know of hopelessness and all that, it should be treated as a terrorist attack. Mm-hmm.
2: It is. It is a different moment in time in our world you know we uh, speaking as a parent who still has one kid in school um you know when these types of things happen particularly when it's school shootings and lord knows there's been too many of those um one would be too many there's there's always communication then that comes from my daughter's school about hey just so you know this is what we are doing um i think definitely off the heels of you know, Ivaldi and some others where there's been a lot of questions that weren't, weren't able to be answered. So the, so the school my daughter goes to, they're, they're basically saying, they, they come back with a, with a hit list of this is what we're doing now. These are the measures that are in place. We want you to know because it's got to be on your mind, but your kid is, we feel, is as safe as they possibly can be here. Um, so it's just surreal sometimes when you have to see all that stuff. I think about when I grew up and went to school. This stuff was never, never imaginable, you know, and and probably so for some of you guys too. Now, Sam, you're in a different era. It's, it's changing a lot, but it's just, it's kind of a sad commentary of where we are in the world, I would say, and it's it's tough to watch. It's really mm-hmm. tough. Yeah,
1: uh, in college basketball last night, uh, Ohio State has officially parted ways with their head coach Chris Holtman. Uh, after i'm sorry 7 years here was 9 and 25 in the Big 10 and his last 2 years uh was really just a 500 coach in the last 2 years that was not going to get it done over there at Ohio State uh Ohio State is looking to go and get a big name out of here in the college basketball world
0: yeah i mean what was his best season even at ohio state i mean i know he made the tournament i think they said four times he had 520 win seasons the highest, okay, so in the final polls, the highest they finished seventh, I guess, in two thousand twenty-one.
1: Two seed is the highest finish I've seen that they've had at Ohio State.
0: Okay, but yeah, they they were seventh in the AP final poll yeah. and made the tournament. Like I don't know what they did in the tournament that year in two thousand twenty-one, but okay. I don't even know if I remember that well, season. They, the two that went, when they finished in the top ten, but they okay. got
2: a, they were upset when it was Oral Roberts mm-hmm. that knocked him out in the t- first round of the tournament. Yep. Um, Maybe that was the year. Then as the a- yeah um, he. You know what's really ironic is he was very successful at Butler. That's how he got the Ohio State job. And there was a lot of chatter. I don't know. This was three or four years ago when Kentucky fans were already getting disillusioned with Calipari. His name kept coming up because he's from kind of that part of the country and everything else. And so, again, talk about fall from grace. He He was getting mentioned for Kentucky, but that's what seems to happen with Kentucky. We talked about this yesterday. It's always like the flavor of the day gets mentioned as that's who needs to be our coach.
0: Well, I remember him being mentioned for Tennessee too, after, after Donnie Tendall was fired, you know, when it came time to hire someone Tennessee, of course, hired Rick Barnes. And I think that has worked out. I remember Holtman's name. I think it was just after one year at Butler was linked to Tennessee.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He took Butler to four consecutive NCAA tournaments. I mean, he, uh, he had it humming there. Um, and, and they had Ohio State in a pretty good spot for a little bit, but it's obviously fallen on really hard times well, lately.
0: I, I don't know. He, he For me, I believe he was only at Butler for three years. I think he had him there three times in the tournament. But I also thought that I didn't give him enough credit for that, or maybe I didn't give him any credit at all because I was like, hey, you're just following Brad Stevens. Like Brad Stevens is the one that kind of built that. You're kind of just able to kind of slide in. I don't know. But then he went to Ohio State. It was pretty good, so like maybe I was just wrong about him. But then, like, the last couple of years has gone more, you know, closely. It was more, it was closer to, like, what I thought it was actually going to be for him at Ohio State, and that's kind of what the coach I thought he was.
2: It's interesting how he got the Butler job because he was not Brad Stevens' successor. Um, there was a guy, Brandon Miller, who got the job but then had some sort of personal issues and had to leave the team, like, within the first season. Okay. And then Holtman, Holtman was on the staff, so he got the job then. Um, it was very weird, and then he yeah, and then came in and kind of got it going. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if he lands anywhere else because um, I wouldn't say he's a terrible coach, but, boy, he, he's, he's kind of hit a bump and can't seem to get over it now.
0: I saw that Bob's twin,
2: Greg McDermott,
0: kind of the top of the list in terms of where they think they're going to go for a coaching hire. I saw Nate Oates name mentioned. I don't see Nate Oates leaving. Alabama for Ohio State but maybe Ohio State is going to be at the point where they're like hey we got a bunch of money now let's take basketball as seriously as possible and goes out and tries to poach a big-time coach and pay him close to football money because money's not real and the Big Ten deal and Ohio State I'm sure brings in a bunch of money and can pay a coach uh, you know to to coach basketball to pay a high-profile guy so I'm interested to see their hire and who they actually like target if they try to poach a really big name. Because McDermott's a big name, but not like a megastar name, not like a Nate Oates. I'm curious to see what they try to actually do. Because I feel like Ohio State basketball has been kind of irrelevant. And they used to be a pretty, you know, a mainstay, you know, from the the Thad Mata days, of course, and Greg Oden and Aaron Kraft. Like, those teams mattered a lot. They were top ten teams and number one teams, number two teams, things of that nature.
1: Uh, some news here in golf. Um, CBS broadcaster Vern Lundquist is going to be calling his last Masters this April. 83 years old. It's going to be his 40th call at Augusta National. He's called every Masters in that time uh, besides the 1983 tournament. Or I'm sorry, since 1983 he's been doing that. He's called every but one. Uh, this is going to be a tough one for all golf fans. You know, obviously has some of the most iconic calls with the, the tiger in your life. Have you, have you ever seen anything like that chip in, in 2005, um, you know, and, and countless other ones, Nicholas back in the day. So this is going to be a tough one for golf fans, obviously retired back from, uh, his football coverage in 2016. And then kind of got away from basketball a few years later. Has only been doing golf, but this will be his last year doing golf as well.
0: Yeah, I gotta say, I, I was ready. I was ready for him to leave football. I still enjoy him on golf, and it will be sad when actually you know, when, when he makes this his last one. Like I was ready for him to go football. I thought you know, football's not one that I think you can age gracefully on, but golf is, of course, a lot.
1: Golf's gonna suck. He's all. He's the great. Right, great voice. It's a lot slower
0: pace. I mean, it's easier for him to keep up, and it doesn't, you know, it's not glaring to hear him age like it was in football. And you know, he didn't do it like you know as bad as some people have. But I still thought like, okay, it's time for him to go in football. Golf,
2: I think he can handle. Be prepared for a hell of a tribute in the Masters by CBS. I mean, they will, they do that stuff really well. That'll be great.
0: I I can already picture, I can see him breaking down and sobbing and crying during it. I feel like he's a crier.
1: I'll probably cry.
2: Stood in the security line at uh, McGee Tyson, really with, with Vern. It was the day after that, uh, and I forget what year it was. Now, when Tennessee upset Kansas, the Bruce Pearl team, Skylar McBee hits the <laughs> the kind of lean in shot, and he was yeah he had called that game. He was uh, he was leaving Knoxville. He was a nice man.
1: Some uh, NFL coordinator news. San Francisco 49ers defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes. Before is you get to that, before out. you get to that, I, hey. I
0: did just want to finish on Vern. Sam, keep in mind, Vern. There's a story, a good story. Have you ever read the one about him, how he met his wife, and how he stole his wife from his so. from his friend on a date? I don't think so. It's funny to hear about like you know Vern Lundquist being a ladies man, but yeah, like the there was a story a long time ago where he talked about, you know, basically his friend was on a date. And he went up and was kind of talking to her, and the guy was like, Hey, you know, Vern, I know you're single. I'm going to fix you up with a friend of mine, and we'll go on a double date. We'll go to dinner. And you know, he said he looked and said, Hey, you know, Nancy, you know, you'll know, come with us on this double date, blah, blah. And Vern said, Meanwhile, I'm looking at Nancy thinking she is the prettiest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so when he left to go to the bathroom, I looked at her and said, Look, so how involved are you two? And she said, Oh, no, it's just our first date. And I said, Well, forget what he is talking about on Thursday night. What are you doing on Saturday night? And then she said, I'm doing whatever you're doing. Is That's how Vern tells it. Wow. So basically, yeah, stole this guy's nice. girl when he went to the bathroom. Vern Lundquist, a Did, player, a ladies' don't, man. Don't go
1: to dinner with Vern and your girl, I guess. <laughs> yeah,
0: just don't invite Vern on a double date. Don't, don't let the wolf into the hen house.
2: <laughs> then he broke into a high volume, uh, I will see you <laughs> on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> and then takes off.
0: It worked out. All right, now tell me about Steve Wilkes getting fired.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Steve Wilkes is out in San Francisco uh, after just one year. Obviously, D'Amico Ryans, uh, their former defensive coordinator, left to go be the head coach. Down there in Houston, they hired Steve Wilkes. um, Allowed the third-fewest points per game this season, but obviously uh, that Super Bowl loss is a tough one. Um, Some people are... Kind of feeling that Steve Wilkes was a little bit of a scapegoat firing, given the fact that Kyle Shanahan just was blatantly unpreparing his team for, for overtime rules. Um, I think, you know, I mean, it was clear that this Niners defense wasn't as as formidable as what they were under D'Amico Ryans, but I, I think it probably was, was fair that Steve Wilkes probably wasn't going to work out long-term. I feel like this is one that they're kind of just nipping in the bud right now.
0: It felt like they were making him the scapegoat. Yeah. Like you said, it's not it's not Steve Wilkes' fault that I, mean, I guess it kind of is because he's a coach too. But like they played
1: some bad defensive coverages in overtime.
2: But yeah, that's that's all I saw was all these analysts looking at it, going, "Man, could you play any softer coverage <laughs> against Patrick Mahomes?" Or a high
0: shell, yeah, like yeah, it was bad. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say, it feels like you know he did coordinate a defense that helped get to the Super Bowl. The the defense was terrible. I mean, the defense was bad. I don't think Steve Wilkes is good, but like I just thought it was funny the same day that the video comes out of the Chiefs punking Shanahan on the sideline. Basically saying, they want the ball, I'll give it to them, that's what we want. And, you know, Patrick <laughs> Mahomes like, they want this, let's go give it to them, let's go win the game. Like, the, the, the same day that comes out, he's like, okay, we're fine our defensive coordinator. Like, it's not it's not Steve Wilks' fault that Shanahan didn't know the rules. Now, it is his fault that they couldn't get a stop. But, I mean, like, it wasn't like the Chiefs dominated them offensively. They had 19 points in regulation, right? So, I mean, like. He'd be like, hey,
1: score a couple more points. Kyle. Apparently the ref
2: told Fred Warner he was like, Are you sure? when he said, yeah, Oh, really? Yeah, he was he, like, Are you was sure? It, was it was it you chick that <laughs> said they they had it on NFL films where he was like, Yep, they they'll get the ball back if I mean he's saying this afterwards, yeah. like, you know, they're talking amongst he's themselves.
1: Like, oh, they get the ball.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he's like, We didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that to me, like
0: again, when you compare it to the to the to the Chiefs, who had said they'd been practicing since the preseason and, like, knew what they were going to do in the Super Bowl in case it went to overtime. Like, it almost seems preordained and straight out of a script, if you will. But, like, one team super prepared and ready to go, and the other just get caught flat-footed. And I don't know. It just – it's embarrassing for Shanahan. It's embarrassing for Shanahan. He would have been better off had they not caught that holding penalty on third down at the beginning of overtime. And if they just, you know, kicked the ball away and lost on a field goal. We would not be making fun of Shanahan nearly as bad as we are for him going down and kicking a field goal. That's tough. All right. Thank you, Sam. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio.
2: Welcome back to the morning show. We are joined by Rick Butler with Rocky Top Insider. Talk a little bit about the big Tennessee win last night and some other things going on with the Vols in general, whether it's baseball, football, you name it. Rick, good morning, my friend. Good morning, gentlemen. Hope you guys are doing well here on a nice Thursday morning. What's going on? Uh, Not a lot. We're still a little uh, sleepy-eyed. We're getting through it, though. That was a late game last night, but, (laughs) but it was a good one. Yeah, I was I was telling somebody during the game, I said, uh,
3: the nine PM game should be banished. And they said, It's not that bad. I said, Well, for us who, who need to stay and work the game and we have a little bit afterwards, the time starts to run up. So I'm not a fan of the nine PM games. It's a little bit late.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about that game a little bit. We uh we felt like uh we we've been talking this week about Texas A and M used Tennessee as their get right game and kind of felt like last night for the first couple of minutes it was like oh my god is are we going to see history repeating itself and Arkansas is going to get right with Tennessee but uh, Tennessee summarily slammed the door on that pretty quickly after certainly after the first half mm-hmm. but uh, I'd love to get your uh, Your takes on um, a little bit of what you saw, did did it surprise you? We were on a text thread talking, and we were all kind of really understanding that Tennessee really needed to take care of business. This Arkansas team is is a wounded animal right now.
3: Yeah, that's exactly what it was. You know, I I have a friend who – Grew up an Arkansas guy. He he was texting me yesterday, and he was saying, you know, we really need this game from an Arkansas standpoint. It seemed like the Razorbacks didn't have a lot more um, marquee games in their schedule. Not a lot is going right for them this season. This could have been a game like you're talking about, sort of a get-right game. And I said to him, well, you know, Tennessee continues to need this game as well because they're coming off of really two losses in the last four games, and there's still an SEC regular season race in front of them. Tennessee went out yesterday, and they handled business. Um, in an emphatic statement, I-, I thought, you know, Tennessee lost to South Carolina, then came back on the road, put up 103 points on Ru- at-, at Rupp Arena. Then Tennessee loses to Texas A&M, goes back on the road once again, and then puts up ninety three points in Fayetteville and gives Arkansas their second worst loss in Bud Walton Arena history. I think that's a, a good statement right there. I thought that Tennessee, you know, like you alluded to, the beginning of that game did look like the Texas A and M game. Both teams were trading shots back and forth. A um, and M was hitting a lot of uncharacteristic threes. But the thing that I kind of thought about after about the first eight minutes of the game is, okay, Tennessee has taken Arkansas's best punch they have. And yes, Arkansas would continue to throw a couple more punches over the next couple minutes in the first half. But ultimately, in that first six minutes, that was Arkansas's best punch they could have possibly put on the board. And Tennessee didn't flinch. They didn't waver. They didn't stumble. They didn't move around. They just stood there, they took it, they traded some punches back. I thought that was a really impressive thing to see just from Tennessee's mentality and their mindset because of how that sort of crumbled away at the Texas A&M game. Uh, A really dominant second half, a really strong performance in the paint, balanced scoring with four double-digit scores, plus the Kai Ziegler at nine. Uh, So I just thought in a lot of different ways, this is exactly what you wanted to see if you were a Tennessee fan. This is what Tennessee wanted to do as a program. And a a dominant bounce-back win is never going to be a bad thing uh, especially when it comes in conference play. Honestly, it just made
0: me appreciative. It made me appreciative sure. of, like, Tennessee hasn't had a season from hell like Arkansas is experiencing in a long time. I mean, like, you know, Rick Barnes' first two years were, were tough, of course, you know, picking up the mess from Donnie tendle and building the program. But I think a lot of Tennessee fans give a pass for that. And yes, yeah, sure, or the COVID year, the COVID shortened season at 17 and 14 wasn't fun. And you probably were going to miss the tournament, but you're still going to be, you still went 500 in conference play to see Arkansas, who is a, a proud program. And you could argue over the last 24 years has been a better program than Tennessee yeah. or just as good to have them drop down to what were they now? Like three and three and nine in conference play. It just made me appreciative that yeah. uh, Tennessee doesn't have these.
3: I, John, I think you're spot on. You know, and it's funny not trying to pick on Arkansas, but maybe picking on Arkansas a little bit. You know, I, I, it wasn't a perfect A to A comparison, and it wasn't perfect across the board. But there was a time going back. I mean, around 2021, where Tennessee and Arkansas were two program, two athletic programs on the rise between basketball, football, and baseball. Obviously, both schools' baseball programs still going very well but you've really seen Tennessee kind of continue that upwards trajectory in the last couple of years. Meanwhile, Arkansas is floundering. They have a head coach that is sort of on the ropes. All the rumors say that he is trying to get out of Fayetteville. You know, you obviously have the rumors and the media kind of going off as distractions and alarming and things of that note. I think you're right. I think that it just sort of shows what sort of stability Tennessee has. Even looking at John Calipari, I mean, John Calipari is a guy who's been around for a long time with Kentucky, but they're not evolving in the same way that at least Tennessee is at different times throughout the season. So uh, I think you're right. I think appreciative is uh, a pretty good takeaway from that game right there with how misery uh, how miserable the Arkansas fan base probably is.
0: Yeah, I got no problems with taking shots at them just because it is baseball season and they are pretty annoying. <laughs> I'd forgotten, Ricky, I forgot about their football program at the time You know, a couple of years ago did seem like they were also – kind of in lockstep of Tennessee, and that you were kind of competing with Arkansas yeah. for best overall athletic department. And, yeah, now that seems laughable because the basketball program looks to be in shambles. Musselman, 95% likely that he's going to be gone in the off season. Sam Pittman, you could say the same thing, 95% likely that he's not going to make it through next football season. They got baseball, sure. Uh, they don't win anything big in baseball, but they got baseball, but the other two programs <laughs> in bad, bad shape.
3: Yeah, and, and, you know, again, that, that sort of, to me at least, and maybe there's an exact date that I could figure out if I looked into it a little bit more, but I feel like that sort of happened around 2021, and ultimately, that's when Tennessee got new leadership inside the building. Danny White came in, uh, new continuity, new leadership in the building, and you've seen Tennessee really sort of imply that uh, that stability of the last couple years in multiple sports Whereas there's other programs, other teams around the country. Obviously, we're talking about Arkansas. And it's a really good example. Might not be one better, but other schools are floundering in those years. So Tennessee, you know, I know the the championships might not all be there right now, and you know, fans without just even like a, a regular season championship or a conference championship along the way. Uh, there's been uh, there's been so much stability in the Tennessee program over the last year. There's a little bit of an appreciation that yeah, you're right. Like like Arkansas, things aren't just on fire out of nowhere. Um, Tennessee is looking pretty good across the board. Yeah, it would be 2021,
0: like you're talking about, because they went nine and four and won the Outback Bowl. You know, that's when Tennessee went seven and five and kind of showed some flashes under Heupel, of course. That was when Tennessee had the best college baseball team of all time but didn't make it to Omaha. And, yep, and, and they
3: did, didn't they? Yeah, they, then, I do believe they made it.
0: And then that year also Arkansas basketball went to the Elite Eight. So, yeah, like it was – you could even say they maybe had the edge on you at that point. But yeah. from that moment yeah. on, their their basketball team came back and went under 500 last year in conference play. Of course, the football team is in shambles. And, and yeah, like, you know, Tennessee baseball is still pretty much in lockstep with Arkansas baseball.
2: Yeah, I think that uh, – so with basketball, we have we want to celebrate it as much as we can, but I think we've gotten through most of the, the key points with uh, that Arkansas game. Again, that's an Arkansas team that uh, we took care of business. That's really the, the, the takeaway. We needed to. Um, but let's jump to baseball for a second. Uh, we had Kirby Connell on a little earlier in the show, Rick, and we were talking about this upcoming weekend, which is a big one. They're going to be uh, invading the – the home of the defending world champs, which I'm surprised you haven't said anything about, um, because I know that's uh, near and dear to your heart. But uh, uh, I know you've been doing a a few of uh, Tony's availabilities this week and everything. I mean, what's what's your take on, uh, we we keep using the term, the vibe with the team as you're seeing it as they're getting ready for a weekend that Kirby mentioned it, and I think it's good. It's kind of with these back-to-back-to-back games, it's kind of a feel of what it would be like in a postseason environment, so to speak. Sure. Well, I'll start by saying this. I didn't need to mention the World Championship off
3: the bat because Tony Vitello mentioned in his opening statement yesterday. So I felt like that covered enough ground for me as well. Um, I'll tell you what. Being at the ballpark yesterday, and we just had a quick press conference with a couple of the players, Tony Vitello himself, the the energy in the building seems really good. And, and and I think we got to talk to Hunter Ensley and uh, Xander Seacrest, and both of those guys sort of talked about how, you know, obviously, we, we know that in baseball, it's a long journey. It's a long roller coaster you on. Not always is it going to mesh right away. Not always our personality is going to um, going to kind of join together right away. Sometimes it does take that that snowball effect into the season to kind of get everybody on the same page sounds like a lot of the guys are on the same page going into the season, which is a a little bit surprising, and not surprising in a negative way, but just, hey, Tennessee brought on a lot of players this year. I mean, they they did have some good uh, turnover, especially bringing in some top-level players from the transfer portal who are certainly going to compete for Tennessee this year. Uh, I, I was a little bit surprised to hear just how well everyone had been meshing so far heading into the season. Now, again, that's just hearsay. It's just what they're saying. We'll have to see what it looks like on the field and see if we can judge that same assessment for ourselves but I do think that's a good place to be in, especially because that has been a talking point or at least a, a small topic of conversation in the beginning of the season over the last couple of years. So I do think that that's noteworthy, but hey, I also tell you this, you know, just from a, a baseball, but also a non-baseball perspective, getting there to be in that uh, stadium yesterday, I think that fans are going to absolutely love their first trip back to Lindsey Nelson stadium this year. Those renovations have been mighty, you know, And that was one of the things that I hadn't necessarily seen before yesterday is, okay, we know they're putting up some new seats. What actually is that going to look like? Is that going to actually transform the feel of the ballpark? And to me, it's a no-brainer. It does. It feels like a very unified ballpark instead of just a, a nice left field, You know, a a nice place behind the plate, but then some other stands here and there. It feels like a unified stadium. It feels like an enclosed stadium. There's going to be hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds more seats in that stadium. It really just does feel like a new look. So I I know I took a little bit of a tangent away from the players, but I do think that when fans head back into Lindsey Nelson Stadium for the first time, whether that be Tuesday in the home opener or later on in the season – I think they're going to be delighted with what they see, delighted with how it feels, and just delighted with the new direction of Tennessee baseball.
0: I really hope they have fixed the speakers and the sound system. <laughs> it makes me so mad when I'm there and I hear the walk-up songs and it just like sounds like it's your high school press box. I'm like, we, we got to fix that. It's the same way at the basketball games. It's the same way at the football games. We make too much damn money over here in Knoxville, Danny. To have bad sound equipment, can you make sure the baseball team sound equipment sounds good, please?
3: Yeah, rally the troops. That's that's the hill to stand on right there. You need a good PA system. What's going on here? <laughs> what is the healthiest program at Tennessee right
0: now between basketball, oh, football, my and gosh. baseball? All three seem to be in good places. So I mean, like, yeah, I, don't, I, I don't think you're putting anybody down by putting another one up. But like, if you had to pick one to be the healthiest, I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but. What's the healthiest program of the three?
3: Um, I'd love to take a cop out, and I'd love to say the women's basketball program, especially with the with the yeah. game against South Carolina and Don Staley yeah. here coming up later tonight in Knoxville. Um, I said I, I said healthiest, say, not unhealthiest. <laughs> I said healthy. Oh, the healthiest. Okay. I want to say my first instinct is basketball, and I do think that football is in a good position as well. Obviously, baseball is is in a great spot with you know. Baseball, I feel like baseball is a little different because there's a lot less hands in the cookie jar, right? There's a lot less people putting ingredients into the recipe, so Tony Vitello really can kind of mold that program exactly how he wants it, whereas maybe with football and basketball, there's a little bit more outside factors, obviously NIL being a being a uh, more significant impact to those sports. I, I, I want to lean basketball. Obviously, we know that Rick Barnes is no spring chicken anymore, but he's doing well, so... Maybe it doesn't have the same future outlook that baseball and uh, football do. I think you can make arguments for each one. Now I'm just talking myself in circles and rambling. Uh, But my first impression is basketball. My second one is baseball. My third is football. Um, But, again, that might just be because football especially, you never know what outside factors could play an impact at any given second um, in any given way. So that's kind of at least my first impression. But that's a really good question.
2: So let's keep it with football here. You wrapped it up with that uh, that bit of a noncommittal comment, Rick. I'm not gonna say, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, but no, I I, get hey, it. I
3: gave you a, I gave you an order. I might not be yeah dying you know, on that order, was, but it I it gave you filibuster.
2: one. Yes, but um, talking about football, uh, the you 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 ran this piece uh, yesterday about the orange and white spring game coming up, and I I have to believe when we talk about excitement this one probably would be exciting to the fans just because you're going to get to see more nico front and center and all of that but uh something i wasn't aware of it sounds like there's there's going to be limited availability for fans to attend this game right Ten thousand people i believe right yeah you both are spot on and i think that's one of the things that we've at least certainly
3: heard people making noise about obviously this is a really um some big tennessee football offseason guys as you guys know Nico Imaliava, James Pierce Jr. I think there's really some names that Tennessee fans have latched onto and saying, okay, these are guys that we believe are going to be the are going to be the difference makers of next year's team. They want to get in there and watch them. But you're right, Tennessee has to limit the orange and white game in Nealon Stadium to just ten thousand fans. Excuse me. Um, and that's just due to the ongoing construction around. You know, everybody wants these great construction projects and these renovation projects makes the stadiums look nice you get the new jumbotrons you get the new scoreboards whatever it might be but then you have to deal with some of this stuff on the side so i think you know the 10,000 thing is certainly something that people are are upset about i think most people understand what's going on but i will say that tennessee is doing a pretty cool thing considering what else is happening that day tennessee of course is going to bring back the vol village and that's something they've really been doing a lot in the last couple of years but that game is going to lead directly into Tennessee's, Tennessee baseball is going to host the defending champion LSU Tigers that same night at 5.30 p.m. So you can sort of make this whole loop of a round trip with Tennessee football then over to Tennessee baseball against LSU all in one day. If you don't get tickets to either game, you can watch them all in Vault village back to back. So I do think that they're doing good things around campus. Obviously the baseball game is going to keep fans around campus and kind of keep fans uh, through the afternoon and into the evening. But that is an unfortunate part that 10,000 only allowed inside the stadium. This is a big time for Tennessee. It could have been a, a little bit of a money making opportunity, certainly rally the fan base, but they've got some big ambition with those plans for Neyland stadium and Got to get those renovations done at some point.
2: Yeah. Also, can I ask a question? Because you mentioned in the in the piece on RTI or RockyTopInsider.com. dot com. So you specify Sturl the Pearl in the Tennessee Spirit Squad. Is that is that really kind of is he kind of a headliner associated with the Spirit Squad now?
3: Yeah. <laughs> wow. I, I put that in. Uh, I put that in my article because that was pretty much exactly what was in the press release. So. <sighs> Tennessee wanted that to be known. I said, okay, we'll go ahead and make it known. Um, yes, I, I think those two things are synonymous, and I think that Sterl the Pearl is synonymous with any Tennessee sporting event that includes a microphone during a break in the action.
2: It's kind of like Casey and the Sunshine Band or something, you know, Sterl the Pearl <laughs> and the Spirit Squad. When I think
0: of the Tennessee yeah. athletic program, number one, Danny White, number two, Sterl the Pearl. That's synonymous. right. That's right, a living legend. Wow. All right, Rick. Tell us what all the RTI crew is working on
3: at RockyTopInsider.com. Yeah, well, um, we're headed to the Lone Star State this weekend. Headed over to Dallas, oh. Fort Worth for Tennessee baseball. So make sure to lock into that throughout the weekend for updates. And uh, it's going to be a hard, hard tournament to watch. There's obviously, if there's a will, there's a way. Uh, but if you're not able to watch, head over to RockyTopInsider.com and we will keep you covered. Otherwise, hey, it's just normal basketball stuff right now. So. We'll uh, we'll have you squared away over there and uh we'll keep going through the season. You gotta get a little home cooking? I I wish I was going home. I'm not going there. You know, I've You're actually not? never even I, no I'm not. I've never actually even been in that stadium before. Um we're sending uh, we're seeing our good friend Jack Foster, but um yeah, only only one's going. Jack's on his way. I'm not going. I'd love to be back in Dallas. Oh, I'd love to uh, <laughs> see that stadium for the first time, see that trophy maybe even. But it won't be me. It will not I, be I.
0: I got to say, Rick, this, I, I, if I
3: were you, I would take this as a real
0: slight from my bosses that <laughs> I didn't get to go to my home state and, and get to go to that park and that I'm having to take a back seat to someone else. I would take that as a slight. I don't know how you
3: feel about it, but. You, you know, know what? Now that you now that you mention it, this is a really good opportunity for me on a public platform. to <laughs> Just go ahead and get some things off my chest. Uh, 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 look at the time; it's about eight forty-one a.m. Yeah. We'll have to save that for another day. But uh, I think you're spot on there.
2: All I would say is, you know, you you you're you're, you're you could call rank on Jack. I'm not trying to stir it up, but <laughs> you could do it. All right, on the way out,
0: give me your thoughts on the WrestleMania press event in Las Vegas last week. Where do you see the bloodline, The Rock, Roman Reigns, Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins? How do you see that
3: shaking out over the next two months? Yeah, that was awesome. That was better than than a Raw or a SmackDown. You know, anything else. That that was fantastic. Um, I think that Cody is Cody Rhodes is going to finish the story at WrestleMania on Sunday. I have no idea what's going to happen on that Saturday night. And also, I mean, John, what happens if uh, if Tennessee is is in a Final Four opportunity right there. How are you going to split your time between night one of WrestleMania and a potential Tennessee Final Four bid on that Saturday night?
0: I'll just have to DVR the Final Four, I guess. (laughs)
3: That's a good man right there.
0: My prediction, (laughs) I think think we might. What I want to see happen is I want to see maybe Seth and The Rock on night one of of WrestleMania and Cody Roman night two. Maybe The Rock beats Rollins to legitimize that title, but also then it gives him the the official leg up on Roman moving forward at the bloodline as he'll be the only one with the championship. Maybe even yeah, you give Solo and Jimmy the tag team titles, uh, and so then Roman's the only person without a title. I think that would be interesting.
3: Yeah, I think you could set it up for a, for maybe even a potential Roman face turn after WrestleMania. Oh, yeah, sure. I know it won't. I really like your idea about Seth. I know it won't happen. Uh, but part of me kind of just wants to see, you know, from a from a kid-like perspective, if Ro- if Cody's going to beat Roman, just let him beat the whole island of Samoa. Let him beat The Rock. Let him beat Roman. No, let I, him beat Solo the we, week before. we, we got to slow just down. Give him
0: all, He's still stardust. Give him everything. He's still stardust. We can't have him beat Roman and The Rock. These kids <laughs> these kids, and their love for Cody Rhodes. I just don't get it. Hey, but you got to
3: claim your kingdom, right?
0: Sam, did you hear how much more excited he was to talk about wrestling than he was to give his answers on Tennessee Athletics. That's what Rick really cares about.
3: Rick, appreciate you. I was being tricked.
0: Appreciate (laughs) you. RockyTopInsider.com. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, buddy. Hey, thank you guys. Thank you so much. Y'all have a good one. We'll talk soon. Sam, send us a break. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio.
1: Ever been the coach...
0: The Inward Half 2024 spring collection has officially dropped. So new gear right now, inwardhalf.com. I was told by Todd to let you all know the new spring line is live. So if you've been looking and waiting for new designs, they are there and they are waiting. Go to inwardhalf.com.
2: I had a buddy, sorry to interrupt, but it, it, it fits here. Buddy yesterday reached out to me and said, hey, remind me of the name of that uh, golf apparel place you guys are talking about on the show. I want to check it out. And I was like, of course, man. Inward half. And Perfect. Yeah. So spread yeah. the word. It's happening. Perfect. Perfect.
0: I put up a poll question. Fox Sports Knox on X XFKA Twitter. Which Tennessee program is the healthiest at the moment? Baseball, basketball, football. From what I've noticed in my years of putting up poll questions, the percentages don't really change after 100%. Like, very rarely does—like, the first 100 is a pretty good sample size in terms of how people are going to vote. So, you know, we have over 100 votes already, so I think this is kind of how it's going to break down and shake down over the course of the day. But, Sam, first of all, tell me what you think people will vote and tell me what you think, or you can you can tell me what you think first and then tell me how I guess you can pick. You Just make, okay. make sure you tell me which one you're
1: answering. Personally, I, I would say uh, the baseball team. I think the baseball team's the healthiest. I think Vitello has turned that program around the best, and his time obviously came in here with it basically being nothing, and I think he's done an unbelievable job of recruiting and now getting guys out of the transfer portal, and obviously he's put success on the field. You've got some guys that have – made their way into the MLB, and you've you found your way into Omaha. So, to me, I think it's that baseball program that's the healthiest at the moment in terms of just long-term success, but I don't think the other two are very far behind.
0: And you think the audience would answer how?
1: Um, I think it'd be pretty close. I think – I honestly think baseball, but I think it'd probably be pretty close with basketball.
2: See, I think – I think that basketball if they could get to again elite 8 final 4 it's a totally different 100% outcome on the vote because mm-hmm. baseball has gotten to the equivalent of the final 4 I would say with making it to the college world series um that's a t- I think they're very neck and neck and and again as much as we know football rules the day around here um and they're doing well and better and it's going to get better um they're still a little behind, I would say.
0: And that's the hardest
2: one, I think, to get Absolutely. to. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, that's a really good point. I, I would agree with you.
0: That's interesting. Because I would think that basketball is probably our most maligned program. Oh, it is. So, like, to say, I, I don't think, in my opinion, there wouldn't be many people voting it as the healthiest. Now, I don't think that's necessarily correct. Like, you know, if you're just looking at what the people say and the votes, just because— I just think people, again, I think it's the most Milan. I think everyone loves Vitello, loves the baseball program, and I think people want to be hopeful about the football. It seems like during a lot of his tenure, Barnes has kind of been the whipping boy a little bit in terms of you can point to the postseason failures and you're not getting your, your bang for your buck if you're only judging a basketball program off of what they do in, in, in March Madness. So I was a little surprised because the actual results did have baseball number one, which I think... Overall, like, it's been the most consistent, right? It's it's been consistently a top-ten program. It's made the quote-unquote Final Four or the equivalent of the Final Four in terms of making it to Omaha. It leads the way. It's got half the votes right now. Basketball getting some love at 36%. Football at 11%. (laughs) I'm surprised that football is only getting... Yeah, 11% of the votes, because I do think my perception of all three are that they're healthy. And with football just being the most popular sport and maybe the most promising in terms of you should make the playoff this year. You maybe have a Heisman Trophy quarterback. You have, you know, five-star in the pipeline at quarterback, you know, from in-state coming up soon. Like, it does seem like the future of that may be better than, than basketball, just just because, like, hey, yeah, basketball's good, but I do think there's questions about, A, how much longer Coach Barnes is going to coach at Tennessee, B, kind of what happens in this, is next year going to be a transition year? Can you can you go back and just reload in the portal? Can these freshmen and sophomores take steps forward? You know, can, can Zakai and Adu lead the team whenever Josiah and Vescovy and, of course, Dalton Connect are gone, so, like, I do think there's at least some questions about basketball moving forward.
2: I do think, and I agree with that. And I think that with basketball, too, while in some ways it's the easiest to get right quickly, you know, you can turn a basketball roster. We've seen it happen with a lot of programs. They turn it around within a season or two. It can go the other way just as quickly. And we haven't talked a lot about that because, well, we don't need to yet, but it is an interesting point about what's this program look like next season and the season beyond. We've still got some talent on that team and certainly some talented players coming in, but um, in this day and age, everything is so fluid with, again, transfer portal. you know, I still wonder about like a Freddy DeLeon. How long is he going to stick around if he's not going to get meaningful playing time? So we're losing all those seniors, but could you be also losing some other players? It's very likely. It's just the way it is this in this day and age. So... Basketball could kind of slip quickly, is my point, with some with a couple turns here and there. Right.
0: And, yeah, like, I mean, Heipel, you would imagine going to, you know, assuming he doesn't leave, or take some job, go to the NFL. Like, Heupel's got 20, 30 years left in his career, or, you know, 20 years left in his career. Vitello, same thing. Like, I don't see anywhere Vitello would go. He could be a mainstay here for a long time. Barnes, of course, doesn't have that same luxury in terms of just years remaining coaching at a high level. That's just how time works.
2: Let's talk about that for a second. When the time comes that Coach Barnes leaves, I'm just thinking about, given the current events, what happened with Ohio State yesterday, is the Tennessee job as attractive a job as the Ohio State one, uh, where they're throwing around big names do we think it's that attractive? Has Barnes made it that attractive? Um, I think I think it's a I think it's a great job.
1: I think it's pretty attractive as well. I mean, I yeah. I'd say it's easily top three in the SEC, you know. And I think the SEC has established itself as the if not if not the one of the premier you know basketball conferences in the country.
2: Yeah. It, well, this year for sure, yeah, it's really absolutely. it's really the, in that status.
0: The prestige of the job should be changed. You know, I, I, you can't say forever changed because, of course, that thing can be fluid and, like, just look at Arkansas. I think Arkansas might struggle just a little bit if Musselman leaves and leaves them kind of with no recruiting and, and no roster intact. You know, that might be a little less appealing. It might be like a project like Chris Beard to let him kind of continue his reclamation. But, like whenever Barnes does hang it up or leave, like the, the prestige of this program should change. Whereas you've got Barnes, it was kind of just a stroke of luck. Yeah. The sports gods were on your side in terms yeah. of him getting fired from Texas and and him wanting to maybe get back closer to North Carolina, seeing the potential of Tennessee, but also being like, hey, I just got fired. I don't know how hot my name would be to get a better job. It was kind of a buy low, and Barnes, of course, looks like a genius for buying into the Tennessee program and, and, and having a whole nother, you know, decade of his career at a high level. Now when it comes open, it should be like, hey, this is a program that has been in the mix every year. That's a top 10 team over the last five or six years, and it's only going to get better, and it has everything, and it has leadership, it has money, it has facilities, it has everything. So, yeah, like, Bob, I think whenever that time comes, Tennessee should be able to kind of – I don't want to say name their coach because I don't think that's realistic. But I think whenever you see a list of names, it would be kind of like superstar, superstar, best mid-major coach, yeah, assistant coaches who have proven it. And you should have a, a list of eight that you're really picking from where seven of them feel like they would be at least triples. Right or stand up doubles, if you're using the baseball analogy.
2: I get, yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Is kind of is the expectation? What we talked about this earlier. Kentucky, if they, if Cal leaves, they're only talking about the highest tier available names. Is Tennessee in that kind of boat? I think they're closer to it than they were. Um, you know, if you think about where you're, you're right about that, John. We lucked into the timing with Barnes because the other names that were getting thrown around at that time were not big names. Right. And so... I mean, just think
0: about the two names you hired before that.
2: Yes. Yep. You went and hired
0: Konzo Martin, and you hired Donnie Tyndall. I remember, Neither one thought of as, like, promising prospects or, like, top-of-the-line group five coaches or mid-major coaches, excuse me.
2: I remember when they were looking to hire... When they hired Tyndall, they were doing the whole, you know, fan base was throwing Jay Wright's name out, and it's like, come on, man, that's, that's just not even realistic, you know, at this point, but... Uh, yeah. But now I'm not saying Jay Wright's the guy, but I'm just saying at some point now I think that there's big names should be in that list when the time comes.
0: Yeah, I think people are still clinging to the uh, the hope that you know Jay Wright had wanted the job you know back in the early 2000s or mid2000s and yeah well if he wanted it once he'd want it again. no yeah. no 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 not exactly. no, not exactly. Go down, go down go <laughs> download the brand new fan run radio app. Check out the new website, fanrunradio.com. Initial rollout phases of the new vision here at the company. I told you to keep your eyes peeled for the, the inaugural Fan Run Open coming up April 20th. We'll have some more details about that next week. But some exciting things happening. If you're listening right now and you might be moving on about your day at times and getting out of your car and you want to take us on the go, you can always do that with the Fan Run Radio app. Go download it. Hour two in the books. Hour three coming at you. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Ever been the coach?